generation after generation. Handle business without hesitating. Say the world gon' change, but I'm still waiting. I done ran out, but I'm still patient. Who is the man, yeah, with the bands, yeah, with the plans, yeah? Who they gon' call when they come in the bam, yeah? Too much chef coming through there. Too much chef run through there. Who you gon' call us a shootout? Black man looking for a way out. Blessing all his black suits and all the fancy shoes. Who is the man? Too much shaft. Who is the man? Too much shaft. Who is the man? Too much shaft. Who is the man? Too much shaft coming through the. Too much chef run through the. Who you gon' call us a shootout? Black man looking for a way out. Ooh, blessing all his black suits and all his fancy shoes. Generation after generation, handle business without hesitating. Say the word gon' change. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode 307, a rare all cock edition of Film Bastards. Uh, my name's Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by. Mark Cock. And. Noel Cock. And I am also Ian Cock. So, um, Becky is stuck at work. Um, She's got a a, a presentation thing to do tomorrow to. She's got a presentation to do tomorrow for the new members of staff she's getting. um, And she literally found out about it at about four o'clock today. (laughs) Yep. That sounds she like she didn't want to be double mithered about 4K. It's <laughs> okay, we can just say it. All right, let's just. I'm. I need to talk about that. So, what we're going to be doing this week? We are going to be talking Spider-Man: Far From Home. We are going to be talking Shaft. We're not going to be talking what we do in the shadows because Noel's on, and you know, asking Noel to watch a film just because we we have to watch a film for the Patreon. Uh, the Patreon audience felt a little bit. Um, uh, cheeky. So you know you've got Shaft instead, and you got Noel. So you know that's I think that's a that's a fair fucking swap to me. So since the last time Noel was on, Noel has embraced the world of 4K. Noel, describe to us your TV and describe to us the experience. Uh, my TV is a it's the same as yours, uh, but it's the newer model apparently. Um, so it is the 43, 43 inch. Did I what is it? Yeah, you got 49 inch, didn't you? 49 inch. Sorry, yeah, 49 inch. Um, yeah, because there was there was discussion around. So initially, what happened is our old TV was a 37 inch, uh, 1080p Samsung. I'd had it for probably about nine years. The sound had started to go on it a little bit, but then things started to go wrong with the remote control, and the volume started to go weird, and then the volume just started switching itself off randomly and i said no fuck this it's time to upgrade um claire's always been a bit nervous about us getting a bigger tv and i've always wanted a bigger tv so there was a whole discussion about how big we could go um i initially said all right well we can at least take it up to 40 and then 40 became 43 because the bezel on our old tv was three inches all the way around anyway yeah, that's so a good way of thinking about it well done yeah i, I figured well, it's only going to be that size anyway, and maybe an extra inch all the way around or something like that. Then I started to dig around a little bit of the different options and discuss some options with you, Ian. Uh, and I was trying to stick to a budget and stuff. Um, 
And then it kind of became clear that I wasn't going to, you know, you don't buy a new TV very often. So um, I decided I needed to stump up a bit more money and just go a little bit bigger and pushed it up to a 49 inch. Uh, Claire agreed with that. So we went with 49 inch and it's the perfect size for the space. So it's an, it feels like we've, you know, without even switching it on, it feels like we've got a nice new TV upgrade. Super slim bezel, um, LG 49 inch uh with um 4k obviously hdr freeview plus uh and uh, all the uh, assorted accoutrements as well so um we've had it about three weeks now getting the living room um decorated so it will be mounted but nice. just not. so at the moment i'm just trying to keep the hands of my two-year-old the sticky hands of my two-year-old daughter away from it which is giving me serious anxiety on a daily basis um but yeah i think the first thing i did with it is uh got it unpacked got it out and went straight to netflix and tested it out with um our planet um on netflix the reason i went for that is because that's 4k with hdr and i wanted to make sure i was testing it with hdr that looked insane it just looked it, it just looked completely immersive and just, you know, like it was completely 3D. It looked incredible. Um, that night we watched Black Mirror. And then since then, I've watched a few things on uh, on Netflix in 4K. Uh, so Murder Mystery, um, more Black Mirror. Um, so the other bits and bobs, obviously animation for the kids. Um, but then yesterday I finally got round to testing out um into the spider-verse in 4k oh shit yeah fucking hell that special that is really special even just the opening idents you're just like oh shit um so yeah so i watched uh watched that in 4k that well we watched bits of it in 4k uh so we watched the opening 10-15 minutes or so and then i went through and watched a couple of different scenes so the um the main scene I wanted to see what it looked like in 4K was the um, uh, what's up danger sort of scene mm-hmm. um, with sort of building drop. And it's just absolutely stunning. Um, so I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch Spider-Verse in 4K all the way through at the weekend. But uh, as a sort of test run yesterday, I just had a go at that. And it's, it's probably, it's definitely the best thing I've seen on there. Um, so yeah, my only minor gripe with the TV itself was the the fact that for a few days I was watching stuff on Netflix with the motion smoothing switched on. And I was starting to get a little bit disappointed because see, I was watching. Uh, oh, it was uh, Rim of the World. So I was watching oh, Rim yeah, of the World yeah, yeah. and the motion smoothing was switched on. And I was just like, this looks so fucking cheap. And it looked like, I think the comparison I made to you, Ian, was it looked like Andy's Dinosaur Adventures, the, the, the children's BBC show. Um, which, I, which I, by the way, that picture that you put up, I kind of ripped <laughs> off for an Instagram post, which people in my work were fucking loving. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Great content all the way. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, that's my only gripe is that that motion smoothing when you disable it on one thing you have to individually disable it on all things every time i've disabled it i've gone so i've like i'll you know i'll put amazon on 
and I'll disable it. And then I'll go on to Netflix and it's not disabled, even though I've done the apply to all inputs thing. So it's a minor gripe because now everything is everything is set to, mo- to true motion off. So it's fine. Um, but it just means that, I don't know, I guess for, for whatever reason, the apply to all inputs thing doesn't seem to work. But it's a minor gripe because... Well, oh, that's annoying. Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, because because I literally didn't... I literally didn't know. I thought I'd applied to all inputs. So I was watching something in 4K and I was going, I'm not sure about this 4K. You know, I'm not sure. I think it might be a bit too real and a bit too sharp. But the problem was true motion was on and I just didn't know it. So, um, like, I mean, like, I know people kind of made fun of that Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise, like, post about turning off motion smoothing. And I know, like that, like people were kind of like evangelical about it, but it's mm. a fucking, it, it's a point. Why the oh, yeah. fuck is that a default? Why? So can I question that uh, quickly? In terms of the motion smoothing thing, um, when they have these TVs on on display in um, stores, uh, oh yeah, they've got it on. Oh they yeah, they've got it on because Becky's main. Um, it gripe with 4K is she thinks it doesn't look real. So it looks colourful, it's bright, it's like that, but it doesn't look real. It, it looks plasticky, yeah. Real things, yeah, look plasticky. Is that mm. the motion smoothing now? Literally, yes. In the menu in my TV and probably Noel's because it is the latest version, there is a home mode or store mode. And you put it on store mode and it cranks it up to vivid. It completely loses the detail. It loads up the motion smoothing. And it it's yes, it's like looking at it in a store, which for nature, like for nature documentaries like our planet would look amazing. Don't get me wrong. The motion smoothing, like 60 frames per second kind of look to real life documentary stuff. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, Rim of the World would look horrific. Oh, I mean, like a- anything with motion smoothing on that's a film looks fucking horrific. Oh, that's interesting. So next time I'm in a store and try to sell it to Becky, if I literally just pick up the remote and try and sell off the motion smoothing thing, it might sort it out. <laughs> she might she might come round to it. it. The thing is, it does. It requires. It does a couple of things that I've noticed. That, I mean, what what bothers me about it is that there's probably you know millions of TVs all around the world that are really badly set and they're not, they're paying for something. They're not getting the best out of it. So yeah. the motion smooth, the true motion thing is or motion smoothing generally is one thing. It's also when we, when I set that up, something that was bothering me for like the first, what you want to do is you want to unbox something, put it out, press go and see yeah. it at its very best straight away. I'm but pretty, I'm pretty much tempted to jack off to this, by the way, Noel, like, <laughs> I've never been so turned on by you in all my life. <laughs> But no, no. So, so the other thing that that bothers me is you've there's this other setting that's called LED dimming, is it? Yeah. Um, oh, fuck that shit. So, so LED dimming um, is so you've got so the backlight settings, for example, out of the box, the back the backlight was set to a hundred. So where you really want the backlight, or I don't, Ian may disagree, and my backlight set at about thirty five. Yeah between 30 and 35 i find is is about right anything anything lower than that's too dark but your backlight is set on 100 when you get it and this thing called led dimming is on 
And what it does is it follows the lightest points on the screen. I think this is how it works. I think it follows the lightest points in the screen and increases the backlight behind those things. So if you've got something that's quite contrasty and quite dark, you get this sort of bleed, this sort of bleed of light around things, like there's a spotlight following things around. And can, I, can, I, can, can, I, can I give you the science bit? Go on, yeah. Okay, so basically... The, one of the differences between um, LED and OLED screens, right? So, like shaft, is this the shafts of light thing? Well, yeah, basic, yeah. So essentially, out like how OLED, uh, how LED panels work is that they're kind of almost like divided into sections. Yeah. So, like you say, it's kind of like, is it like it's almost like a quarter vertical? of the screen will be lit yeah. up and if it moves right to left it will kind of like exactly yeah, yeah. and I, so, I did i looked it i looked it up it's because of the way the it's because of the way as you say with led tvs it's like these it's like these shaft the back the way the backlights are it's like these shafts of light across the bottom of the screen and each yeah. one of those lights up in accordance with where the the, the lightest action is taking place so that, so that's don't it. Get that yeah so with OLED, which you have to pay a lot more for, you don't get that because each individual like um, LED kind of like pixel is individually lighted, uh, lit, yeah. sorry. So you don't get like the whole backlight doing it because it's like each individual tiny bit lights itself. Mm. Whereas yeah. with the panels that we have, there's basically four panels in the back that all like the whole thing will light up at once yeah and, and the and higher you, the higher your backlight the more noticeable it is the brighter it is and you can turn yeah. it off but i mean for me i like it, and, and this is I, I think this is down to personal preference i have it on low just so it accentuates the dark bits compared to the light bits but not like there's literally a fucking flashlight See, I find with contrast high, backlight at 35, that's that's right for me. That that I find the 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 LED dimming even on low a, a distraction, just because I just start noticing it out of the corner of my eye. Really, no, that's, that that that's fair. Like I remember when I got the Apple TV 4K and 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 my my TV, we watched Spider Man Homecoming. Funnily enough, and it was bugging the fuck out of me. Yeah. And I had to, I had to Google it. It's like what I did like. I think I actually Googled what why the fuck is my LG TV lighting up sections of the screen because I was pissed. Then I I eventually found out that it, it was because of this. So I did have it on off, but my I I'm kind of okay with low, but like I think it is personal preference. High is a fucking insult oh, to man. It, it's like it's almost like do you remember that period of time where before uh lcd screens you had those massive backlit projector tvs mm-hmm. yeah they had sort of like do we look they, they were as big as a crt tv at the back but they were sort of backlit and they had this sort of like you know big illuminated sort of uh look to anything that was on the screen it sort of reminds me of that just a sort of you know washed out sort of overbled light it's oh i can't stand it it's terrible my, I mean, so I, that's, I, that's out the fucking window <laughs> I, I i i will say my nate's tv because 
this is my second 4K TV because that's who I am. My 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 next TV, it will be years down the line, and it will be an OLED. Mm. Like I'm not I'm not buying a non OLED TV ever again because I don't want this problem. Mm. But, but I think this literally it, yeah. 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 This will be my TV for a good few years now. We, we you know, it's 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 future proofed enough for me to 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 get get more job and it's made me watch more stuff as well so so that's great good. I mean, and, and and to be clear the only reason why I, I this is my second 4k tv is because i bought a 4k tv before hdr was prevalent uh yeah uh, which was an idiot move by me so now i've got a, like a dolby vision and yours is dolby vision as well but obviously like not everything is dolby vision so it's that's a whole fucking thing in itself but it the hdr it's the contrast like for me skies have never looked better mm. and they like it, it's like the fact that because you've got the the like the high dynamic range and the high kind of contrast there it's like you look in the sky in something that's in hdr and you can kind of see the like the sun coming kind of coming through clouds mm. and, and like that I don't know. There's a more natural looking image with HDR. And I think the 4K does a certain amount. I will say, based on my experience between having a 4K TV and a 4K HDR TV, it's the it's the HDR that really fucking give, gives them the net benefits. Um, but I'm so fucking pleased you're happy with it, Noel. Like, it, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's really, really good. And I, I, I can't wait to get it mounted on the wall as well. It's just going to be just going to look absolutely beautiful. And the thing I like about that particular model as well, there was a lot of models that I looked at where the design of the actual screen I didn't like, but I love the bezel on this. Just a very slim, really dark sort of silver, sorry, really sort of dark grey bezel, just clean, no bullshit sort of big chunky plasticky bits on it or anything, no ridiculous chrome. It's just clean and it's, it's yeah, it's we we got the right TV for sure. Mark, you, what the fuck? You gotta get on it. I know. <laughs> um, one thing that conversation for some reason did remind me of was a fucking weird dream I had the other night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Well, I, I often have quite odd dreams, and I always have them, uh, brother. But um, they're often quite indicative of things that are going on, and. So it was last week when we were talking about uh, something that you shared, Noel, on uh, Twitter earlier today, I believe, about the uh, creating a, a, a kind of like a podcast community. Uh-huh. Um, and it was we, we were all spitballing on WhatsApp about something, how we could um, generate more interest in film bastards. And for some reason, Ian agreed to fight a live bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to promote film bastards i don't know where it came from but he agreed to fight the live bear right? who did sorry yeah. i did you did right? nice it sounds so, like you on yeah. the on the day <laughs> of this bear fight um ian got pissed off when the bear came out uh and he came out and they were in the boxing ring ian got pissed off because he was because the bear came out in a pair of under armor shorts um, and Ian was annoyed that his shorts were from Tesco and the, the the bear, who, as I quote from Ian in my dream, doesn't even really need shorts because he wouldn't wear shorts out in the what is it? Whereas I'm a real person would wear shorts. I don't have sponsorship. Why has he got Under Armour shorts? 
before Ian would fight the bear, I had to go out and get Ian under armor shorts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my kind of recent obsession with under armor training gear has obviously affected your fucking life. God, my, my word. Yeah, weirdly was that was that was the day before you posted the Instagram thing of my trainers. Blue two shoes. So, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was odd. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, by the way, slight tangent, my fucking tr- workout trainers are Bluetooth connected, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. Does it track, like, things? It, it, so, yeah. you, so your wife can make sure that you are actually going out for a run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, maybe I don't know. Like it connects to that to the map, my run app, and it's supposed to give you fucking. I haven't. The thing is, I haven't done an outdoor run with it yet. I've been doing it doing treadmill runs, but it, it's. I don't know. Like I didn't buy them because I I am a I you know I am a bit of a tech core, but I didn't buy them because they were Bluetooth connected. I bought them because they were cheap, and 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 it was like right, and I literally. There's a fucking Bluetooth logo on the sole, <laughs> and it was like, oh, it's so weird. That's so fucking odd. So I, yeah, I don't know. I've got Bluetooth shoes. <laughs> don't step on your Bluetooth shoes. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, That's very good. Um, so moving on, for what, like forty minutes into the. In recording, we haven't even done trailers yet. <laughs> <laughs> trailers, what have you been watching? Um, what have I been watching? Uh, uh, the new Chai's Angel trailer, or the first Chai's Angels trailer. Oh. Uh, I, I'm quite interested in the film, but the trailer's shit. Princess Jasmine's in it. So I'm down. I, I thing is, I am I'm absolutely down for the film. I think it's going to be. I think it, I like everybody that's in it. Uh, I like Elizabeth Banks as a director, but it's a crappy trailer that they, that they basically just seem to be going. Chai's in, Chai's in, Chai's in, Chai's in. Goes new Ariana Grande song, and that's it. So I, 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 I yeah, I don't know. It, it just it feels like branding the issue like the female empowerment issues of the last couple of years it it feels like a a corporate version of very very sincere things that women have been trying to do over the last couple of years and i really 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 hope that it's fun yeah yeah. That it's basically not a, a, a mild telling off whilst you're also going hang on a minute are you telling me off by doing everything that you're telling me off about yeah like Ocean's 8 I was a li- I, I was worried that it, it was going to be almost like a, I, I like funny games but almost like a funny, funny games-esque why are you watching this yeah, yeah. Um, you know I've almost got like and I'm sure Charlie's Angels won't be that, but the trailer, I don't know. Like it just, it seems like there's a a sense of excitement that's not there 
because all it is is these women are women. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I think that's great. But I also think that this film needs to remember that it, it, it's a blockbuster. It needs to be enjoyable. Yeah. yeah there, there, there needs to be some meat with the veggies. Yeah. It, it, it's a little bit like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Not the that, best analogy. No, that wasn't the best analogy, was it? Well, you got Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean, though. It's like it. it yeah. It, it, it. Yeah. I. Yeah. That wasn't the best analogy, but it was trying to get across what I was saying. I don't know. The the, the only issue I have with it, I, I I hope it's fun. It looks like it intends to be fun, and I, I agree with Mark. I think it might be just that they're trying to get something across in this trailer. And maybe they are forgetting to, to, that they need to put bums on seats for this because it's, you know, it's a very old franchise. It's not been seen for a while. And the last version of it wasn't necessarily adored. Um, the main issue I have it with it is I don't like the branding. It looks cheap and it looks... It, it, does, yeah. look, it does look a little bit like a pilot for a TV show mm-hmm. made in 2004. Yeah. Or a new brand of vaping kit or something. Just he's got that sort of <laughs> what, like literally the lo- the logo. Yeah, 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 it sort, yeah. Of looks, it sort of looks like the old one a bit, but a bit sort of shinier and cheap. And, and I don't know. I just feel like they could have done something a bit more modern with it. Maybe like, like the intern did it. Yeah, like they, like the intern did it, but based it on the old designs a little bit and. <laughs> then they got some help from somebody who designs vaping kits. Yeah, they intended it while taking a shit. Yeah, I'm just, uh, it's a small thing, but you know, these things bug me. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, new Jumanji trailer? Yeah, all over that. I am yeah, very up for that. Uh, saw it before, um, for the first time actually. I didn't, I didn't watch it before this, but I saw it in the cinema before Spider Man. Um, and I think it had only like, it only dropped, I think, like the, that day on online. So it was quite nice to see it before Spider-Man as well. Uh, I had no idea that it was The, the Rock um, and uh, Kevin Hart were playing um, Danny Glover. Ah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, um, so that was quite nice. What is it? I'm literally, I had the complete giggles at the end joke bit. What was the end joke? Uh, where Kevin Hart slash Danny Glover's character is um, basically saying, is he having a stroke? <laughs> I just tell him to breathe. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I could not fucking stop laughing. I think Kevin Hart is going to destroy me in that film. That, the oh, thing is, uh, like, the first one came out around the time of, like, uh, Star Wars Last Jedi, and people were thinking, oh, it's gonna, it's not gonna do well. And it ran and ran and ran and ran. And this looks like it's gonna kind of do the same thing with the rise of Skywalker. And it, it's like, I think there's a certain school of thought that would be, I'm looking forward to Jumanji the next level more than Star Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm intrigued to see the rise of Skywalker and see what they do. I'm also apprehensive about the fact that after the the ballsy shit they did with The Last Jedi, that there's going to be some retconning shit going on with that. 
And I wonder, would I would I rather spend two and a half hours with Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and face potential disappointment, or spend two hours with Jumanji The Next Level and know I'm going to get The Rock is Danny DeVito? Yeah, I, I must admit I am more looking forward to Jumanji The Next Level just because I think I'm going to find it more entertaining. Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the key thing. I think you're right. If, if the problem is, we've had a very daring, and I'm not going to start waxing lyrical about the Last Jedi again, but we've had a very daring, very interesting Star Wars movie, and it didn't go down well because people are fucking idiots. So what we're going to do, what we're going to get now, is a J.J. Abrams Star Wars movie that's safe as fuck, and I'm not really interested in a safe, in another safe Star Wars movie that serves fans of which I am not one. Um, whereas, as you say, Jumanji 2 or 3, however you want to look at it, that's going to be a good time. That's going to be a really fun time. Yeah, yeah, straight up. I mean, I've just got to say, The Last Jedi, I hate myself for my my review of that more and more every single time I think about it. Because Ryan Johnson was fucking trying some shit in that film he was really going for it and he was mixing things up and i'm sorry that i was such a fucking dick about it and i will eat up my trouble with the notion of being put on hold i'm i'm just (laughs) it, it it still doesn't settle well with me but I hate the fact that I let that bother me so much that I was the most meh person in that review. The thing is, Ian, there's going to be an awful lot more people out there that are eating an awful lot more humble pie about that film in the years to come. I guarantee it. Yeah. I guarantee people are going to backtrack on that film a lot. And Star Wars fans as well. It'll end up being, you know, the the empire of that of that particular um, trilo- um that, that particular trilogy people will fucking backtrack on that so yeah fuck them. that fight that fight in the throne room the fucking oh. colour in that fucking thing and the staging of that fucking thing my god yeah and does that not bring, bring us neatly to the next trailer I think it might do yeah oh it does doesn't it yeah Knives Out looks fun. It, it does look fun, yes. It, it's a very busy trailer. <laughs> I am I am all there for, um, what was it, KFC, CSI, or CSI, KFC. That's a fucking great, <laughs> yes. Yes, I will watch this. I think, as a, just looking at it as a package of all of those individual extremely talented and extremely charming actors, in a you know a bottleneck sort of like locked up in a house with Daniel Craig chewing the scenery and Chris Evans getting to do something very different to what he's been doing recently. Fucking hell! Like yes, please. Yeah, I'll I'll have that right now. Mark. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It, I'm looking forward to the film. Again, it's a trailer that just made me go, there's an awful lot going on in this trailer. It's quite busy. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, 
No, I agree with that. And I mean, like Ryan Johnson's already said, he would rather people didn't watch the trailer because it there are shots in there that he'd rather people see for the first time in the cinema. Um, and 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 yeah, I don't know. It's just like to be fair, I think it's pretty out of context though. Like it's not like anything's really had the game given away. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anything else? Uh, I've got one one that I wanted to throw at you, a bit of a random one. So, uh, sort of following on from what we were just talking about, about 4K, this might make me a lot less popular uh, because it opened some old wounds between me and Ian. I saw a trailer before Spider-Man, um, uh, before Spider-Man Far From Home, for the, oh, I want to say 30th? I can't be right. For the for the for the anniversary for the anniversary edition of the Matrix, which is coming back to cinemas, oh yeah, yeah, which is apparently remastered, that looks like absolute shit on the big screen. If those are remastered scenes that I was seeing there, it looks so, absolutely horrible. So <laughs> it's not it, it's not that they've redone effects. It's, oh no, it's not the effects. It's the it's the sort of washed out, yep. grainy, washed out, yep. crappy. Like it just looks terrible. Was that? I mean, presumably a lot of that was shot digitally, and probably half of it shot digitally and half of it shot on film. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I so I have the Matrix in 4K Dolby Vision and on iTunes, and yeah, it doesn't look amazing. Um, I don't know whether this is again a new master because maybe they previously mastered it in 2K, like yeah, well, and maybe they took a 2K source originally and now they've got a 4K source. I don't know. Um, I know what you're talking about though because the Cineworld near me are doing a 4DX version of the Matrix. I think next Saturday night, which sounds like hell on earth to me. Um, but yeah, it, it's. The, the the noise and the grain will not be yeah I, fuck i need to look this up i need to look this it up just, I'm it sorry. looks it's it's a bit like what i was saying before about the backlight it looks like the backlight is turned right up or the contrast the, the contrast is has been turned down really low and the brightness has been turned really it's just that really sort of pale it's like there's a pale gray filter over everything it's just it just looks dreadful. I'm not sure how the Matrix kind of looks, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I know, no, but that's the thing. It's like in the sequences that involve Neo, you know, walking around his office when Neo's in the Matrix, living in the Matrix. I get that because what they're trying to get across is that it's this sort of, you know, fake grey world that has no colour and stuff. But it, all of everything in the, you know, the, the sequences, the special effect sequences, the, the, the fun sequences that are in that trailer, it all just looks shit. I'm still looking this up, sorry. So it was. Uh, yeah, all right, that makes sense. Um, so it was shot on Super 35, which is what. James Cameron used to shoot Terminator 2 on. So it is like super, super grainy. Mm. Um, but the thing is, if you, I, 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 
this is really reopening old wounds. This is like almost like decade <laughs> old stuff. This is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you take. I think I said it then, and I'll say it now. Find yes, distra- I find the grain distracting, Ian. <laughs> that, that's fine. But if you take the grain out, you're going to lose the detail, and it's going to look like the fucking DNR version of Predator, and no one wants that. No, no one wants that. So, but I'm. I think I've become a lot more diplomatic in saying that I could understand how the grain would be distracting because it, it is like a visual impedance. But the thing is there's a middle ground though. That's the thing. There's the, it, I don't know if it's to do with film stocks or this, you know, super 35. It's film stocks. Yeah. But it, it, but there's a middle ground and I'm not saying things should look like they were shot digitally. I appreciate the quality of something being shot on 35 mil, but when it's, blown up and this grainy it's just a it's very distracting it's yeah i I think that's totally fair i mean the the thing is it's like if you were to you know say you had something like when lawrence of arabia comes out in 4k that will probably be one of the greatest fucking at home cinema experiences you'll ever have because that the, the grain won't be there, but it will, will retain the filmic quality. Um, yeah. Super 35 is this. I don't know what the history behind it is, but I'm not a fan of it myself. And Terminator 2 has always looked not great in um, like HD and 4K formats because of it. Like the 4K version of Terminator 2 is not is really not brilliant. Um because uh, you know because of the graininess but if it's just that if you didn't have that that there it would also look really waxy so it's almost like personal preference do you prefer the wax or do you prefer the grain and and, uh, you know so instead of saying fuck you Noel, you're wrong like i would have done in the past (laughs) I, i you know i i think it is it is that 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 personal preference thing for me i would rather have the grain what i would recommend to you is not going to see the matrix no no yeah well yeah there is that i'll stay at home and watch it on dvd like have a look at the blu-ray of predator just at oh i know yeah yeah i've seen that yeah 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 i remember that very well yeah 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 and it it might have been that that started this whole debate originally as well I, remind me what did you think of the blu-ray of predator it looked rubbish it looked soft and waxy yeah. and yeah. Yeah. yeah okay yeah so that that, that that's it. it it's unfortunately it's not dissimilar to, it's not dissimilar to the sort of um the motion smoothing thing where yeah it's creating a sort of fake a fake reality around it that doesn't exist and and make and, and ends up making it feel just feel weird so yeah I've got to say, could you imagine how bored Becky would be if she was on this <laughs> recording? Um, like, Jesus Christ. Um, but She's yeah, dodged a bullet, hasn't she? Yeah, I think she might have. But that, that, that's the thing. So it's like, if with Super 35 filmed films, you, you kind of have to deal with one or the other. But I get what you're saying. Well, I'm just glad we've settled this after all these years, Ian. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I feel more at peace. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because it was. I just I noticed it and I thought it was very. I thought it was odd. I just thought it was very odd, especially seeing as the the trailer is going to great pains to sort of say, it's you know it's back and it looks better than ever. Um, right. So yeah, it j- just seems odd. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna slightly tangent again, and I'm so sorry. It, 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 do you guys have a time limit tonight, by the way? Because I'm a little. No. Not particularly, but no, I'm knackered, but not 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 a time limit. Okay, let let us know if you need us and need to speed things along. Okay. What what I want to say. I've said this before. All this shit about new 4K restoration, it looks better than ever, blah, 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 blah. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because when I went to see The Matrix in the Salisbury Odeon in 99, it was on a 35mm print. Now, you're going to be watching a, okay, maybe 4K version of it, but it is not going to look as good as an opening night 35mm print because the 35mm print resolution is more akin to 6 to 8K. So you're saying it's better than ever. No, it's not. It's like when they did this with Mulholland Drive a year or two back and they were saying new re-release, new 4K restoration, blah, 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 blah. No, when I went to see that in the watershed in Bristol, that was off a print and it looked fucking brilliant then. It's not going to look as good at home, a 4K restoration. Yeah, absolutely. Best at home experience you'll ever, 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 ever have. At the cinema, no. Stop conning people saying that it's the best fucking experience. Like, 4K restoration, go see it, it'll blow your mind. If you want to go see that film on a big screen, yep, have at it. It's not going to be as good as if you went to see it in the cinema originally. Done. Sorry. Very sense. So. When Fury asked me to come up here and see how you were doing, he just, he felt bad about snapping at you. Really? You guys do have sarcasm on this earth, right? <laughs> How you feeling? I didn't think I was going to have to save the world this summer. I know that makes me sound like such a jerk. I just... I had this plan with this girl that I really like, and... Now it's all ruined. I like you, Peter. You're a good kid. There's a part of me that wants me to tell you just... Turn around, run away from all this, and then there's another part of me that knows what we're about to fight. What's at stake? I'm glad you're here. Me too. But you're worried about your friends. Yeah. Just always feel like I'm putting them in danger. Look, just get them inside and keep them in a safe place for just a few hours and they'll be all right. It's really nice to have somebody to talk to about superhero stuff, you know? Anytime. Spider-Man Far From Home is directed by John Watts and stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Jake Gyllenhaal, Martin Starr, John Favreau, Marissa Tomei, Jacob Batalon, and others. And it concerns Peter Parker, who... Actually, not going to say this too loudly because Donna hasn't seen Endgame and has not been spoiled on it. After the death of of Iron Man is um, wondering where he fits in the world. He's getting a bit sketched out about the fact that he seems to be the new Iron Man. 
and um, is wondering what to do with life. He just wants to have a vacation. He wants to get with MJ. But wouldn't you know it, there's some elementals going around and shit needs to be done. Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, is there to try and help. And Spider-Man thinks, hey, could Mysterio basically do all this shit for me so I don't have to, so I don't have to step up? And the film goes from there. Noel. Our comic book correspondent, who I never, ever know which way he is going to feel about a film, and it's a treat every time. Even though, to be fair, I saw your comments on WhatsApp yesterday, so I think I do know. What did you think of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home? I really enjoyed it. it it's it's great. It's it's good fun. I don't think it's perfect. I think it, it suffers a little bit from sort of jumping around from one thing to another. I think there's a... There's a section in the middle where where he sort of he's he seems to be traveling around a lot and it's not really that necessary. Um, so it's not perfect, um, but I had a really good time with it. I the the relationship between him and Zendaya has really grown on me more in this film. Um, I enjoyed the fact that the uh, how would you put it the martyrdom of Tony Stark. Because, I mean, I think the surprise for me with it um, was that it, the, the post-Avenger, sorry, the post-Endgame thing, you kind of expected a lot of maybe the first 20 minutes of the film to be Peter Parker moping about and feeling sorry for himself because Tony's dead. Whereas, actually, how it kind of came across is that the martyrdom of Tony Stark is kind of a problem for him. And mm-hmm. it doesn't go as far as to say that he resents Tony Stark because there are moments where he cries and he says he misses him, but it does sort of suggest that there is a sort of brewing resentment around the weight, the burden that's now on his shoulders because of it. And I just thought that coupled with the struggle to have a life and the struggle to just be a teenage boy and fall in love, that sort of dichotomy, if you like, if you like, of of those two things bashing up against each other made for a really, um, really interesting, um, backdrop to you know flip 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 so uh yeah i loved it great time back in mark i'm very similar in in the sense that i i I really really enjoyed it i think it's top tier marvel for me um i have a few issues um with it uh none of them major just a few little minor things but overall uh, i think that the fact that it's it's so entertaining. I think also as well, a little bit, I purposely didn't... I did two things, actually, different to what I normally do uh, with a film with this. One, I didn't look at how long it was, so I had no idea how long it was going in. Um, and two, I sat right at the fucking front as an experiment on the front row to see if having all of that noise and all of the crap and the worrying about people getting the phones out and everything like that behind me um if that would make a difference uh and it, it did so i think yay welcome to my world yeah so i think i'm, I'm from now on I'm, I'm like do you know what yeah i have to look up at the screen but and you know when you come out of it you get a little bit you go oh next itching a little bit with that but yeah i'll see you in th- i'll see you in row three mark yeah, I, I didn't have the... I also, we had, and it was quite a busy screening of this film, when you turn around, there were six rows behind us without anybody sat in them. And then the rest of it was all just jam-fucking-packed. So, yeah, I, I was very up to that. But 
um, so it zips along at such a pace that when they had the moments where it was a bit, it, it wasn't quite as strong as the other moments, it was still really entertaining. So I think, like I said, a few little minor gripes, um, but I never thought the film dropped below, as a consistent level, below like a seven. Whereas sometimes even a nine out of ten film can have five, ten minutes where it drops to like a fucking six for a few minutes. This did, it was pretty much entertaining throughout. Um, it was breezy enough post-end game that you kind of, you didn't feel too much, like, it, it felt entertaining. It was, a lot of people were laughing at a lot of this movie when they were supposed to be laughing because it, it was consistently funny. I think having Martin Starr having a bit, bigger role in it um, and having J.P. Smoove in it is, is a cool, fucking mm. great idea. Uh, I mean, J.B. Smoove in anything is a great idea. Yeah, J.B. Smoove anything is a great idea. I, he wasn't in the first one, was he? Or was he? I no. don't think so, no. I no, he wasn't. Remember. Yeah. As soon as he turned up, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I am, all right, fair enough. You've just got an extra star. Um, so, yeah, only... <laughs> That's literally what J.B. Smoove was probably thinking as well. Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my only minor gripes with it are, and we'll, we'll, we'll come to talking about the, the bits, I wasn't a fan of the mid-credits thing and the post-credits thing, uh, which we'll get into later on. Sorry, and you weren't a fan. I wasn't a fan, no. Um, how were you not? How? When we get talking about that, I will, I will, I will unload my reasons then. Um, but as well, I did feel myself at point going whenever MJ was on screen and talking, going, we get it, you're dark, stop bashing us over the head with it. But yeah, the, the whole uh, MJ being, you know, really dark and being in like, the car thing, thing just started to, there was too much hammering that home with me. It started to, to hurt me a little bit. So we were just saying about, um, about Jake Gyllenhaal's character as well and, there's a big moment for me I can't remember if I said this when we were recording or not but there's a big moment for me where I really want to see the moment again where he sort of says to to Peter my name's Mysterio because he gives him this weird he gives him this weird very Jake Gyllenhaal look that's just very difficult to describe what he's going for but it's just really just really cool and really interesting. Um, it, 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 it's it, it's almost a look now of him going, "Holy shit, I have a I have like a fucking superhero name." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I like that. <laughs> and, and and we know now that it's it's all part of his you know getting Peter on side thing, really. Um, so we were just discussing as well, Ian, the like so you know the notion of Mysterio as being a classic. Spider-Man rogues gallery villain to a lot of mainstream audiences they'll probably suspect that he's the villain I guess but actually what they do with him here is really really interesting because they do they do go back to his sort of comic book origin of him being somebody who's you know a hero who couldn't or a wannabe hero who couldn't be a hero and then defaulted to kind of being evil because of it um they sort of go back to that a little bit, but they give him a lot of stuff that relates to the wider MC, the wider Marvel Comics universe, and then just kind of snatch it away. So the the whole they suggested it in the trailer this that he's from another 
uh, another universe. So the whole idea of, yes, there's a multiverse and he's from another part of it. That was a really interesting concept when it came across in the trailer. It was like, oh my God, this is a multiverse thing. Anything is possible. And then he's the one who actually comes forward and says, and exp- you know, explains in that bit of exposition, oh, my, my Earth is Earth this, and your Earth is Earth 616. So Earth 616 in the Marvel Comics continuity is our Earth. It's the, it's the Marvel. Um, so they give all that to him. They give him the notion of a, a multiverse, and they give him the opportunity to name our Earth Earth 616. And then they just sort of snatch it away and go, oh, no, you just made all that up. So that's quite interesting, I thought, they used him to do that. Yeah, I mean, what, what I think what's interesting is that it, it kind of continues a thread of fucking about with what you like what you think you know from the marvel comics which i think dates back to uh noel's favorite like um, y- yes yeah it, yeah i mean that that's it so you know you've got you've got you've got the mandarin you've got the scrolls um which you know obviously it makes they make an appearance in spider-man far from home as well and it, it's this whole thing of now they've got this like back catalog of villains which they're kind of doing interesting things with, and they're not. It's not always that it turns out they're not the real bad guys, because obviously in Far From Home he is a real bad guy. But the kind of accoutrement that he's describing is, you know, is different from what's actually got like from the Marvel universe as well. So you, it's almost like you never know which way is up. And and I I think that's really that's really interesting and it's really ballsy and I like the fact that it's almost like Kevin Feige going nah there's no other fucking universes this is our universe and it's all I mean you could almost interpret it as a fucking dig on the fucking Sony like Venom and Spider Verse films even you know just saying like this is the one continuity. Uh, despite the fact the Spider-Verse is a better film than like 95% of the MCU films, if not 100%. Anyway. Um, yeah, but Jake, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's a fucking star. I was yeah. really, really disappointed when it... Because you knew he was going to be the villain. But it was disappointing when he was, because he was... I thought he was like just a really good, almost like older brother to Peter Parker. Like That worked really yeah. well early doors. Yeah, it almost worked too well, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think... You, sorry, go on, Mark. So as, as I was saying to, 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 to Noel, it, it's... At that moment, I was thinking, you know, hang on a minute, that's that's quite cool that we're going to get Jake Gyllenhaal's basically going to take... You know, Mysterio's going to take that mantle on. And I was like thinking, hang on a minute, though. There's no way Jake Gyllenhaal signed on to do a shitload of movies that's not Jake Gyllenhaal so what's going on and then it all starts I was like oh bravo you sneaky bastards yeah. it's nice as well that he gets to, I don't know this has been sort of said a lot before but it's nice as well that he gets to sort of ham it up a little bit in a Spider-Man movie after he was nearly Spider-Man all those years ago it's his opportunity to not only be in a Spider-Man film finally but be the bad guy and be a kind of hammy bad guy at times as well. So it's, I just thought it was really nice that he, that he got to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. Um, 
because th- th- there's a lot of talk on like social media about how he's like never really bothered with MCU films before and he doesn't really like comic book movies and he kind of just thought that this would be a fun gig but he really takes to it and it is a shame that we won't see him again um i mean i you know yes he's a trickster and a kind of like a master of illusion but it does kind of seem like yes he is dead and obviously the mid credits bit cements his almost like his place in the mcu lineage which is nice um but i don't know it's just it if if i had i've got i i do have some criticisms with the film i will say the scene he has where it like it's all revealed and he's like saying a toast to blah 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 who did this and this and this and a toast to this person who did this and that that felt that stuck out like a sore thumb. And I really liked the way that it was, there was a couple of them that called back to aggrieved ex workers. Yeah. The guy, the, the Tony, the um, Tony Stark bunch of scraps guy as well. Yeah. I mean, that is Although I'm, amazing. I'm not that actor, I don't think. No, no, it's, it's probably not that actor, but like the fact that they actually referred back to that yeah. is incredible. But the way that the dialogue is so, this person who did this and this and this, it, it just, yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't also, sit some, right. Something that I'd forgotten about as well. I, I know what you mean. That scene where it's all revealed is a bit expositiony a little bit. And yeah. I, I get it. I get it. I didn't mind that. I kind of liked it just because it was sort of, it got everything out on the table. And I, I think at that point I was like, right, I, I, you've had, you just got him to hand you the glasses. I know where this is going now. Let's just crack on with you being a bad guy now. So I think at that point it was, I was fine with it. I was just like, yeah, it's this, it's this. He's got a crew. Let's move on. But the thing that I'd forgotten about is it also sets up something, a reoccurring joke for later, uh, which is his costume woman. Where like he is he sort of like fighting Spider Man and he's like, How are you getting on with steam cleaning that cape? Because I'm I'm literally gonna be meeting the queen and she's she's like, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. And later, later on you get the, the, the do you still in the cave? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're about to die. But it's just yeah. it's little moments of kind of levity within that that were were very they felt very Spider Man. Mm. Yeah. And they, they, I think the other, the, the big thing for me, the big overall thing for me with this film and the last film is they've managed to very, I think Marvel's Marvel Cinematic Universe for me is always at its most impressive when I'm impressed by how it's being managed. And I know how boring that sounds, but the, the, you know, the thing that I've always said about, you know, the first phase of Marvel and culminating in the Avengers is you know, never, never should we underestimate what a brilliant management task that was in terms of managing expectations, managing cast, managing characters, managing tone, managing story, and managing to bring it all together in such a, a beautiful way and doing it right. What Sony and Marvel, I guess, have, have done with predominantly Marvel, what Marvel have done with this character is they've managed to strip away um, a lot of what makes Spider-Man iconic and what a lot of what makes Spider-Man so familiar to us all and just pop it away in the corner for a little bit. So the, with the first film, Homecoming, they've gone, all right, this is very, very small. It's about, it's about Spider-Man and yes, he's in New York, but he's mainly in Queens and it's just about him getting on with his life and he's at school and stuff like that. 
but when it's not a film that's focused on him swinging through the through the streets of New York and you know leaping off tall buildings and fighting the Green Goblin and, and stuff in, in alleyways and, and, and above skyscrapers. And it's not that because we've just seen that a fucking bunch of times and people don't need to see that again. So they, they took all that stuff and they put it in a locker over here and then they made Homecoming and it was great and everybody got back on board with, with the character of Spider-Man and the character of Peter Parker and, and MJ to a degree. And now they've made this film where they've literally put him in other countries and have him touring around the world, which is not a very Spider-Man-y thing. And they've managed to sort of make it feel good and make it feel right and still make it feel cheeky and Spider-Man-y and fun. And they've done it across two films, which also plug into all these other films within the MCU, but they've done it across two films. And they've now, and this is this is what I was going to talk about with the, with the, the end credit scene, they've now gone, right, now it's Spider-Man time. This next film that we're doing, Spider-Man 3, that's going to be Spider-Man time. Now Spider-Man's back in town. He's back in New York. He's going to be swinging through the, He's going to be swinging through this, and he's going to be leaping off skyscrapers, and he's going to be facing his rogues gallery right in the middle of Manhattan, across all these, you know, uh, across all these landmarks and stuff like that. And they've managed to do it in such a way that you kind of forgot about all that stuff for a bit, and now it's a bit like, oh great, we're back here. We didn't want to be back here originally, but now we're back here. That's great. So, yeah, to get Spider-Man back to this very Spider-Man-y point makes me very excited for the next film because we've had a couple of films that got away from that sort of typical stuff that we'd seen a lot of times. Hey, I mean, that's interesting. I just, like, with the mid-credits, it's like, how the fuck are they going to resolve that? Because... I think the next time we see Spider-Man will probably be the next Spider-Man film because looking at the MCU kind of slate, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any team-up things for at least a few years now. Um, so how how is it going to pick up? Like, is it just going to be at the start of the next one? It's established that they like the remnants of Shield are being able to prove that Mysterio was talking out his fucking ass. So now it's going to be kind of back to normal, but J. Jonah Jameson is going to be still suspicious of him, and then it's going to go from there. I, 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 like, I hope so, because the thing I really like about this film and Homecoming is the fact that they are probably the two most charming films in the MCU, and I would hate for the third one to be Spider-Man's on the run or Spider-Man's out to clear his name. It's like I, like you say, it, it's now we've kind of like reset it'd be nice to see him go against a traditional villain but in the tom holland verse um and and for him to have to almost like go if for it to go dark i i don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't seem can like I throw, the right direction can i throw a theory out here mm. so i think i think potentially what they're going to do with the next film is like i say i think they're going to make it much more of a new york story because i think they've had that break now and they can do that and people are ready to see spider-man in the big city again i think they're going to do that i think with what they have done a lot of is take their cues from a lot of modern spider-man stories and they're not leaning too much on the traditional golden age you know spider-man stuff that they're, they're, they're leaning a lot more on modern stuff um, and I think what they will do is a little bit. They've essentially made him Iron Man uh, by the end, you know, 
by the end of this film by by saying, all right, now everybody knows his name. So we did the same thing with Tony Stark. Now everybody knows his name. We've removed that from the equation. He's got this multi-billion uh, dollar AI system, and he's probably got access to a load of Stark tech. I think what they're going to do now is they're going to go, all right, well, we're not going to worry about the secret identity thing. We're going to take that forward. And we'll have a Peter Parker who's a little bit older, a little bit wiser. He's still Spider-Man, but he's doing the Parker Industries thing. Um, So Parker Industries, I think it's called, is the sort of science division that Peter Parker sets up. It's about sort of, you know, finding cures for things and developing technologies and stuff like that to do do different things. Um, I think a sensible way to take things forward would, would be to go, all right, he's kind of like Tony Stark now, and he's still being Spider-Man, but he's figuring out ways to do good on a broader scale with, you know, with the technology that's afforded to him by by of Tony Stark. So, and that's also a good way to bring back Tony Stark AI, which is almost certainly going to happen. Oh yeah, man! Like, can you imagine with the next one if they? Uh don't reveal anything pre-film and then like in the third act he gets some sort of ai that's voiced by robert downey jr oh i think that's a guarantee that's, yeah I, I think that's a guarantee yeah. <laughs> mark you haven't yeah. talked much man like uh sorry no that's fine it's fine no, 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 I, um it's because i think i think i just i i just overall really enjoyed the movie um I think that the growing kind of um, uncle role that, um, that that Happy seems to be taking all of these, what is it, where he's he, he's almost current relief without being too favorable comic relief in it, if that makes any sense. Uh, he's good father rather than the bad father uh, so I enjoyed his what is it with the interactions with the kids um, it's, I, I still think we don't see anywhere near enough uh, Marissa Tomei in it but then again, I think we don't see enough Marissa Tomei in anything so uh, yeah but I think my, my only issue with the, the mid credits bit was it felt a little bit too right wing newsy and and for some reason it just it made me go ah oh, I don't know what I want in this. Again, I think that's I think that's something that they're taking from the modern comics and also the the video, video game. I think that's them sort of going all right. Well, you know, newspapers who really knows what the fuck they are nowadays. So what do people know? Well, J Jonas J Jonah Jameson is essentially a Piers Morgan type. Um, it, yeah, it felt a little bit info they, they massively <laughs> play on that in the in the PlayStation 4 game. Do they? Yeah. All right. Well, but if, if it's part of the, the kind of what's going on, then that that's different. But it, it did kind of make me go, right? I'm up for that. I'm up for that. I'm up for that. And then going, ah, am I am I up for a politicized yeah. war? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I you know, no, I think. I think they'll do it with the MCU light touch, in, in, even if it's just because Disney don't want to piss off too many right wing people. Um, but it like the game, it has J. Jonah Jameson as like a radio slash podcast host who like is no longer with the Daily Bugle, but he's still fucking spouting off about Spider Man. 
and with, with this i mean like you say it's it is info warsy but you've got the thing uh mysterio says at the end about um you know these days people will believe anything yeah. uh, you know and it, I, I think it is just taking that and running with it and got i mean like just it's so good that they didn't bother recasting J. Jonah Jameson. It was like, yeah, J.K. Simmons is still perfectly good for it. Just fucking have him do it. I think it gives you the opportunity to. It gives you the opportunity that this this version of J. Jonah Jameson as well it gives you the opportunity to just have him as almost like a cameo appearance in future films. Yeah. So it's not, you know, he's not a, he's not in a whole sequence. He's not in a whole scene. He's not. Um, you know, setting anything up, or they're not introducing his son into the the story, or anything like that. Or you know, you're not seeing him on a day to day basis because because Peter's not really a photojournalist. He's certainly not working for the Daily Bugle. It's it's they've not they're not going down that classic, as I say, sort of stuff. They're doing a more modern thing. This gives them an opportunity to bring Jane and jo- J. Jonah Jameson into it, just have him pop up every now and again and say Spider-Man's a menace and you know and wave his fist around. So I think it's just a nice way around it. And and for, for J.K. Simmons as well, it's you know, he he's getting on a bit. He probably don't want to be on, on the set of a major uh, blockbuster. But you know, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, I I think it's nice that they are at a point where they don't have to, have to just go like we need to differentiate completely from the old films, and they're willing to go. All right, then let's pick this up. That I don't know. I I just think that's that's really charming. It, it is a nice way of, of rather than people saying, well, he's not as good as as as, as Simmons in that role. It's got to go. Well, do you know what? We need a perfect J.K. Simmons, and they're gone. Do you know the perfect J.K. Simmons is? What? Well, we fucking all know. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got to say as well, it was a. I, I just my reaction to it was just, just air leaving my body. It was just I really was not expecting it at all, and uh, I, I just I as soon as he as soon as he popped up on that screen, I heard his voice. I just I just left my body. I just sort of went. Uh, just this wave of just relief and just unexpected joy just so good so good i i don't know i just the way that it was i really like the mirror of the what the the what the fuck bit from the end of spider-man homecoming as well and it, it, it i mean it's a hell of a fucking cliffhanger that is um what I will say as well, I said this on the WhatsApp, what I really like about that mid-credits bit is that it's the first ever time I think we've ever seen Spider-Man swinging with anyone and at the end, that person going like, yeah, don't ever do that again. I don't like Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. fair fucking play. Like, the... And it puts in the ground that, that it, it buries that fucking horrible sequence in Spider-Man 2. Oh no, it's the first one. In the first Spider-Man film, where fucking Kirsten Dunst is swinging through the air with like a mannequin, <laughs> just under Spider-Man. It just looks awful. I mean, do you know the shot I mean where she's yeah, yeah. she's wearing that red dress? He's just saved her from the Green Goblin, and she's swinging with him, and he's just a mannequin in a spider suit. 
that, the, like the way that stuff shot when it's really close in on her with just things like zooming past in the background she just looks like yes. she's shitting herself like just the fact that she does not look like she's enjoying it at all like I, I, that's a really really good be- a bit of direction that and I did think it was a bit weird that from the end of Homecoming where it was like he was obsessed with um, the other girl and then at the start of this one, he's really into MJ. And I understand some times past, but it was a, I don't know, it was a little bit odd because I literally watched Homecoming on like Monday and Tuesday morning and watched Far From Home on Tuesday. And they don't have any, any, any will they, won't they at all. Like, at all and suddenly like the first scene of this film after the mysterio is i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that because i want to get with mj it was weird it is and i think in the first film it's more it's more about sort of she's she's paying him a lot of attention but she doesn't want to make out that she's paying him a lot of attention yeah i was one of the i was one of the people who came out and said you know when they revealed that she was mj at the end of the first film I didn't have a problem with it because of anything like skin color or, or anything like that, that she didn't have red hair or anything stupid like that. It was just a bit like, well, why? Like, why does that matter? Like, what is it? What does it matter that she's MJ? Like, there's nothing, it doesn't need to be her. So I, I kind of didn't like that reveal in the first Spider-Man film. Whereas now, having actually seen their relationship a little bit better and, and seen her do a bit more as a character and be a bit more present i really like their relationship i really like her as mj i want her to be and she's not going to be classic mj you know but like i say they're not really doing classic now they're doing something else and and i'm all for that like you know we've we've seen supposedly seen classic mj in the past and, and this is something new so i'm happy to have something new I, I, no, absolutely. I, like, Zendaya. I get I what you're saying, though. It is, it is a bit of a, you know, it is a bit of a right, right now. Now they're in love, and, and we're following that. I, yeah, I, I totally mean, get it, it, it was like if he fell for her over the course of the trip or something, then I don't know. It would make more. Even if she was into him from the start, because because of Homecoming. And he fell for her through the course of the film. Then yeah, all right, then fair enough. I, I mean, th- these are quibbles. That's the thing because I, I really, I, I really, really, really fucking like the film. It, it just, and they are quibbles. But I, and I, maybe I have been too negative. It just, it's a very, very, very charming film. And I just, I, there's not enough of that in the MCU. Like, there's not enough kind of like innocent not necessarily knowing stuff like the the humor of the mcu has been very very much modeled on iron man where an awful lot of it is kind of like almost like sarcastic quipping and i i I like that don't get me wrong i mean I, i like way more mcu films than i'm even apathetic to but i like the fact that both of these films base their humor in a more natural yeah like and i'm you know it's the not bit, smart ass stuff it's, no, it's yeah, yeah 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 not smart ass you know and it's like yeah. the smart ass in this film is like flash thompson and he's a bit of a jackass but even at the end you do feel a bit sorry for him with the, i mean just yeah. like that bit at the end where they're like mama can pick me up you know like it's 
and the fact that he likes Spider-Man as well, like he, he respects Spider-Man. He's a dick to Peter Parker, but the fact that he he's not just an arsehole who hates everyone. It just for some reason he's got a thing against Peter Parker. Um, and also that whole thing with that Brad guy, like the blip, and he came back and like five years later and he was buff and shit. Like I've I don't know. That was that was fun. I if anything I could have done with more of that. I, 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 I quite enjoyed the Martin Star. Uh, my wife pretended she went up in the blip, yeah. but really she ran away. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> it, yeah. It was just yeah, them two, the, the, the JB's move and Martin Star. There was just a a win. I'd happily watch a. Do they did Anchorman two before they did Anchorman two, where it was just off cuts. What wake up Ron Burgundy? Yeah, I'd yeah. happily watch eight by. Far from home, uh, 2.0. Way. It, it, it's just, it's not a spider person, it's just them two on their little holiday. Yeah. I will just say, sort of, you know, while I absolutely agree, the sort of tone and the, the comedic style of it being different to Marvel is, is great, and the, the lighter tone of it, the, you know, the stakes being lower and everything like that, and, and it not sort of treading a sort of dark path. There is one scene in it that I really really liked and I think probably will not get picked up on too much and and I think it we shouldn't sort of underestimate some of Tom Holland's performances in this because although this is light and comedic he's very 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 good and very 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 charming uh but there's one scene in particular where I think where I think it's the point before it's where Happy picks him up in the plane from Holland yeah, and he gets in the plane, and first of all, there's the the scene before that that I'll come back to, but it's this moment where he's on the plane with Happy, and he's like, "I don't want this, and I can't do this, and I'm scared, and this is too much pressure, and I don't know what the fuck to do." And he's his eyes are red, and he's crying, and he's he's upset, and it's like, "Fucking hell, he's really selling me on this at the moment." He he really, Tom Holland does this thing where. Yes, he's charming, and yes, he's he's cheeky Tom Holland and stuff like that. But every now and again, and I can nail, you know, I can point to, to very specific moments where he does it. He just does little things with his face where he reminds you that this is supposed to be a 16-year-old kid, a really scared, confused 16-year-old kid. So, you know, there's the, there's the moment on the plane in this. There's the moment in Infinity War where... Um, Tony says, congratulations, kid, you're an Avenger, and then walks away. And he does this sort of like little sort of smile and twitch sort of thing, which is brilliant. Um, and then obviously there's the the, the the death scene at the end of Infinity War as well, where he's, he says, I don't want to go. He's just Tom Holland has this, just this magnificent way of reminding you every now and again that this is a kid who is not, you know, he's not the same age as Thor or you know, or, or, or Iron Man or any of these people around him, he is a kid at high school and this is a fucking lot for him to be taking on. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it, I think massive props to Tom Holland. There's no, I'm sure everybody has their favourite Spider-Man and they're, 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 they're entitled to that, but there's no competition for me. I mean, he's, he's, he's excellent in this role. Yeah, I agree with that. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's kind of weird looking at Tobey Maguire at, at this point and thinking, yeah. you you were playing a high school student. Yeah, you're about 50. 
yeah, and, and nobody remembers Andrew Garfield, bless him. So, no. I think even Andrew Garfield's trying to push that out of his mind. Andrew yeah. Garfield's very glad nobody mentions the yeah. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Yeah. He, I get the feeling if you met Andrew Garfield and started talking to him about the amazing Spider-Man films, he'd be like, uh, I think you've got the wrong guy. I'm, I, I don't know, he genuinely wouldn't remember. He'd be like, no, I'm pretty sure. I, I, I swear I read an interview with him where he says he is disappointed with how that went because he was a genuine fan and it just i mean shit man i haven't i haven't seen the amazing spider-man 2 since the cinema and at this point it's almost like what would be the point yeah it's it's it, it was on probably itv2 recently and i watched about an hour of it and it, it's as bad as you remember it's it's, I, it's batman and robin levels of comic book bad i it. quite enjoyed it in the cinema that's the thing i remember quite i remember defending it like, I, I I enjoyed it in the cinema. I have watched it since the cinema. Uh, got you. Okay. I, the cinema. I think we were, we were both quite quite behind it, and then and then I re, I watched it afterwards and went, oh no, wait a minute. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Hmm. Okay. Kind of feels like we're 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 probably done on um Spider Man Far From Home. So. Uh, I will just say as well, the post-credits actually sorted out an issue for me where I thought Samuel L. Jackson was just being like 10% more dickhead than I need. I thought he needed to be. I turned around to Becky at one point during the movie and whispered more like, in a very jerky way, by the way, more like prick fury, am I right? Because <laughs> he was just being a dick. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and it's like, yep, that... I could believe is Ben Mendelsohn's alien character pretending to be Nick Fury and just making oh, up, it a little bit. Yeah. Just, just hamming it up. And it's like, yeah. And I'm, ass- I would like to think that they knew that post credits bit was coming all along. Yeah. I, Cause yeah, it I think just, so. It that's I don't know. It's just a really I mean like John Watts doesn't get talked about. I mean none of the Marvel directors get talked about a lot unless they're not to the Russo brothers or Taika Waititi. But Watts, it, it's I think he does some really good interesting shit here. Like I rewatched Homecoming, and that fucking scene where Michael Keaton is driving them to the Homecoming is fucking brilliant. And the, the way that Keaton's eyes are just kind of like thinking and looking. And even there's like a shot where there are like traffic lights and there's a Keaton has a, res, a realization and like the red kind of flows on his face. Mm. It's like, yeah, that, that's that's cool. And just the way that John Watts would have had to kind of like mess with jackson's performance of nick fury because obviously he's quite a few film fil- few films in now and he knows kind of what he's doing but he's had to kind of modulize it to be all right with this can you just be that much more of an arsehole to peter in this bit you know it's I, yeah i don't know what's is not getting credit and I yeah. think he deserves it. And just for the, the the breeziness he brings to these films. And he's four for four in total of all his films for me. 
Yeah, because I haven't seen Cop Car, but Clown's a good Ooh, fucking brutal... Seen Cop Car? No, no, no. Oh, Cop, Cop Car's worth giving a go. It's only... It starts off 88 minutes long. Nice. Um, and, yeah, it's... It, it's a, if you like that scene in uh, Homecoming, that's basically a lot of that is Cop Car. Ah, <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet. But yeah, the one thing I, I would say is that that sort of that post-credit sequence, I I, 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 I was glad of it in one way because, like, like you, Ian, I got the sense that Nick Fury was different and he was being a bit more of a dick. But also, what was troubling me was that I knew that Quentin Beck was going to turn out to be a bad guy, and I knew that that this was how things were going, and I knew that. Um, that this tech was going to get handed over to him and, and, and all this type of thing. That all felt like the kind of thing that Nick Fiore would know. Like knowing what we know about him, he's, he's smarter than that. And he's, mm. you know, he's, he's, he's very paranoid. They even say it at one point, you know, when yeah. it says something about like, you know, I'm dealing with Nick Fiore who's like the most powerful and paranoid guy in the world. Who's been around and seen this and seen that. And it's like, and he's got no clue that this is all a setup and stuff. So, um, you know, so so I was a bit sort of like, I'm not, you know, I feel like Nick Fury would be aware of this. So so that post credit sequence did fix that for me, but at the same time, it sort of, it, it it opens too many, it, it throws open too many questions as well, sort of unnecessary questions. Like, all right, well, how long has this been happening? Has this been happening since the nineties? Do, do we? You know, in certain situations, oh. can we go back and go, oh, shit, now, yeah. We now go back and go, oh, actually, it was Nick Fiore that did this. Or, <clears throat> you know, how does it affect um, the death in uh, the death of Nick Fiore in um, is that Civil War? Like, is that connected to it? Like, it just it blows open all these questions. And I'm a bit like, oh, shit. I felt like that phase of the MCU was over and complete. And now I've got to look at it thinking, was that actually Nick Fiore? <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's fair. And fucking yeah, hell. I, yeah, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, it's a good point, that. I know. I just slightly got the sense that Nick Fury just wanted to have a bit of a holiday and he was probably advising all the way through. Yeah, but, it, but then again, he says, like, well, we gave the glasses to the kid last week and then it got busy or whatever he says um i don't know i just the thing is i forgive all that because i just love seeing ben mendelson yeah. play a goofy good guy yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i really want to see that continue um so i, I don't know good on ben mendelson because that easily could have been like a one and done thing so it is just fun to see him turn up again definitely yeah uh, oh, it's a minor thing. It's a minor thing, but you know. No, but I, I get what you yeah, get what you're saying. Um, okay, so it sounds like we're all definitely not shit. Yeah, definitely not shit. Audience vote, definitely not shit. Sixty three percent. Touching cloth, thirteen percent. Shit, thirteen percent. And Geostorm, eleven percent. Nice. Okay. Geostorm, eleven. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit odd. I'm not convinced people understand your Geostorm rating. <laughs> oh, that's dead. A lot, a lot of the time, you get sort of random Geostorm percentages, and I'm a bit like, what? Really? <laughs> uh, 
Okie dokie. So, should we do some shaft? I think we should get shafted, yeah. Let's get shafted, yeah. Oh, oh, so my blood is collecting checks from the FBI. That's right. How's it feel? Be working for the man. You mean having an actual job? Like paying taxes, not living off the grid in a all cash sublet? It's great. So you in the city now? No, don't tell me. Uh, down in Soho. Exposed brick loft with a back curious roommate, a little furry ass dog, and uh, a farmhouse sink. You've been stalking my Facebook? I look like I'm on Facebook, motherfucker. Shaft is directed by Tim Story and stars Jesse Usher, Samuel Jackson, Richard Roundtree, Alexandra Ship, uh, and oh, Regina King and others. So. This one has um, Young Shaft, played by uh, Jesse Usher, whose friend is killed in an apparent drug overdose, but he doesn't believe it. He enlists the help of Older Shaft, played by Samuel L. Jackson, his dad, who uh, they've not seen each other for many years. And later on in the film, they enlist the help of Oldest Shaft, played by Richard Roundtree. Um, and together they all kick some ass and say some inappropriate things and it just all feels very old school so this is on Netflix in the UK with Warner having signed a deal with uh, Netflix in territories other than the US to release this a couple of weeks after it came out in the US bombed in the US uh, funnily enough so Warner obviously smelt the blood in the water Uh, but we get to see it at home on Netflix, but it's not in 4K, The Bastards. Mark, what did you think of Shaft? I fucking loved it. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I had a great time with it. I I laughed a lot. Um, it's got one of my favourite scenes of the year in it. Um, I, uh, it, it's, I enjoy the fact that it's it's not giving it, it, it's basically being the characters it is it's not giving a shit about offending people but at the same time it's not i don't think it's reveling in it it's more kind of pointing out its own inappropriateness which was quite amusing um, <laughs> in a way uh, samuel jackson is clearly I, I like the fact that samuel jackson is still just doing whatever the fuck he wants to this is a guy who but now getting on 25 years has basically just done whatever the fuck he wants to. And this is, what, his fourth movie out this year, I think? Right yeah, in saying that? Could well be. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where you've got Samuel Jackson has been in, what, this year? So he, he, he's in Endgame, isn't he? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Samuel Jackson has been in movies that have grossed, what, four billion almost? This year, it'll be around four billion probably. Well, but once Spider-Man finishes, and yeah, he's still off doing chat, but he just doesn't need to. But fuck it, he wants to. Uh, go do your thing, Noel. Uh, sorry. Uh, so yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the uh, kid playing uh, youngest Shaft is uh, very entertaining, which which is bizarre because I agree. But he's the skin job from Independence Day Resurgence. 
Yeah. And, and yet he's like super charming in this. And I like the fact that even by the end of the film, he's not like badass motherfucker. He's still finding it hard to break through windows. Yeah, I, I, I also well the fact that he doesn't. Because you're thinking, I don't, you know, the, the, what they could have gone for at the end was him either punching his boss or going to punch his boss, hitting him, then walking away, going, ah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they don't. He just he kind of politely says no and then walks out. But yeah, the but the, the contrasting scenes of the shootouts were great for me. So you've got the shaft and uh, his mom shootout with the typical shaft soundtrack. And then you've got <laughs> his shootout with, I can't even remember the fucking song now. Um, oh shit, uh, uh, Be My Baby. But yeah, we've got Be My Baby on that, where he's just, he, he, he literally is so calm with just shooting all those guys with that going on in slow-mo, with her just kind of watching from underneath the table. is It is wonderful. It's a, it, that was my one of my favourite scenes of the year. That I had an absolute fucking blast with this movie. I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. Um, it's in this day and age, you can see why Warner were like, yeah, maybe this should be a Netflix one um, because it's anachronistic. Um, you know, a lot of the jokes won't go down very well with people these days. I mean, it does make me feel old. I already know it's a film that if Lottie ever sees it when she's like 20, 25, she'll be like, Dad, what the fuck? But I'll just be like, no, what the fuck you? Um, it, it's the, the, the kind of like the conspiracy plot in it is very, very derivative of a lot of 80s 90s noughties action comedies um but samuel l jackson is a fucking riot yeah i mean they're the fucking the i'm an equal opportunities what is it i'm an equal opportunity <laughs> whoop asser yeah like, it's yeah. just yeah brilliant oh that's it it's like i I didn't talk about an agenda. I'm an equal opportunities ass whooper. I don't know. Like. <laughs> yeah, you brought gender, which is kind of, you watch it going, he's right, actually. You know, he is, he is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, <laughs> it, and I mean, it does feel, the film does feel a little bit old man shouting at young people in a way. But also, it's old man shouting at young people while he has his music up really loud. Yeah, it, it, yeah. There's a there's a, a wonder to it where, um, for instance, where he's like the where, when he's drunk and he brings him back to what is it and says, "Can you get uh, a coconut water? I need to get my electrolytes up." And he doesn't like say, the fox coconut water. He goes over, gets the coconut water out, opens it. Goes to bed asleep. Goes, oh, the fucking shit is that? And the thing is, he's right. Coconut water tastes like shit. Um, it's very good for you, but it doesn't stop the fact that it does taste like shit. Um, I, I enjoyed bits like that. He's not a he's not a mitigated prick. It's just he's essentially he's kind of calling him on his idiosyncratic ways, which is quite nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, what do you think? I'd I'd go as far as to say this is 
probably uh, one of the most surprising uh, uh, films I've, I've seen in years. Just Agreed. surprisingly good. Like I was not expecting. I think I actually said to you, I'll probably just put it on in the background while I'm doing something else. And then as soon as it started, I was like, no, I'm up for this. This is this this is nice outdoor uh just bright and crime and fun and samuel l jackson and just i think what sold me on it immediately is it became first of all i was worried about the lead actor the young lead actor i was a bit like he's gonna be a skin job and then he, he came across really well he he was funny he was charming i liked him straight away then samuel l jackson shows up and he's just clearly having a fucking ball um and I just loved watching the two of them bounce off one another. And this sort of almost Beverly Hills Cop style sort of street level, um, you know, detective shit that's going on. I just, I was well up for it. Um, I think there is an element of, um, you know, uh, let's focus on the, the, the differences between these two people sort of generationally as well as um, approach wise. Uh, but I think that's great. And, it's okay that it's it's okay that it's old man yelling at young man quite a lot because when that old man is is Samuel L. Jackson and he's yelling things like "Don't throw the fucking guns out the window," the kids who live around it, when it's stuff like that, it's like, no, this is great. I'm really into this. So yeah, massive surprise for me. I had a fucking amazing time with it. I would watch another, but I don't think we will get another. There's no, no, no fucking way will we get another. Yeah, we won't get another unless in, in, in unless this does fucking booming numbers on Netflix, like insane numbers on Netflix, and Netflix turn around and go, "Can we can we make another one? <laughs> can we do another one?" Uh, which I just I can't see happening, uh, but it would be nice that. Just there was a lot of moments that just made me laugh out loud, and I did find myself turning around looking at Becky, going, "Why are you laughing at this?" It's like just not that funny. She enjoyed it, but just clearly not as much as me. Like when Regina Hall is talking to herself in the mirror, uh, and then when she walks away, and that woman's just stood next to her, that fucking killed me. Oh, that was good. I, I, I like the I, taxi driver I, bit. Sorry, the taxi yeah. driver bit, where it's just like, when you're talking so loud, I thought I was involved in your your conversation. It's, I don't know. It's good yeah, stuff. When he asked her a question about why she goes, like, oh, that, are you talking to me now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just to say on the sequel thing as well, as much as I, I would say, yes, I would watch another one, there is also a part of me that thinks, I don't think we need another one because I don't think I'd like where it would go. Um, I imagine if there was a sequel, it would, you know, the journey for this kid is complete now. And he's sort of, you know, he's a semi shaft, uh, if you like. And we've got a few laughs at the fact that he's a, you know, he's a, a metropolitan young man. Metropolitan? Is that right? Metrosexual. Metrosexual. That's what I'm looking for. Um, he is a sort of metrosexual young lad and shaft is most definitely not. I wonder how much more humor we could get out of that. And if actually this is enough in the, in this 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 film um so as much as i say i'd like to see a sequel i would watch a sequel i think actually it's kind of perfect the way it is and if it does get left here then i'm sort of fine with that at the same time yeah i'd, I'd, I'd happily i will i will rewatch this um yeah without question just for the sheer just for the sheer comedic value of it and the, the 
the <laughs> Samuel Jackson constantly asking Regina Hall for some pussy. It's quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Netflix, it will always be there. We yeah. already own it. It's never going anywhere. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, good. Well, that was quick, but fair enough. Uh, there's, definitely there's, not shit. It's, it's quick because there's not that much there. It is... It's a chef movie. So imagine a chef movie, but it's actually really surprisingly good. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much the perfect, I think, description for for chef, essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not shit. It, it's, it'll either be my most surprising of the year or at the moment there's a possibility to be my top ten of the year. Nice. Nice. I'm definitely, definitely not shit. And I think a big part of it is the, the surprise element of it. I would... I don't remember the last Samuel L. Jackson Shaft movie at all. I could, and I think that was part of it. I didn't know what to expect tonally from it. Um, it but I just had a massive, massive good time with it. Not a million miles away from this, to be honest. Uh, right. I rewatched it only um, about 18 months ago. Uh, and it, it's it's not quite as, as plain for laughs as this is, but it's... Mm. It, it, it is actually quite entertaining, uh, and it's um, the bad guy in it is um, is Christian Bale, so that's quite entertaining. Is like, it? Jeffrey, yeah, the bad guy in it is, is Christian Bale and Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright huh? is being a Latino in it, which is quite amusing. That's that's crazy. I might actually watch that. You know, it's it, it, it's. I mean, I've I've definitely seen it. I just can't remember it. It's a movie that was made in 2000 that looked like they, yeah. they actually did, they wanted to make it in 1997, but Samuel Jackson was just too busy for a few years. Mm, mm. Uh, our, our audience vote was uh, definitely not shit, 75%. Oh, good. Zero and shit, 25. Okay, well, most people are right. Yeah. Um, so, Noel, do you need to get off or anything, bud? Uh, we're going to do some what, we're, what we've been watching. You're welcome to join, uh, but I'm mindful that uh, we're... I've not got, I've not got much. That I, I, I watched um, all I watched. What did I watch? I watched... Um, I finally got around to Happy Death Day to You. Oh, what do you think? Fun. What do you think? Yeah, fun. It yeah. was fun. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the first one, um, but I still enjoy that character. I think the thing that I liked about the first one was her her arc, her journey. And I think in this one, you don't really get that. So it's a lot of fun. And it's interesting to see him take it in a different direction, like a sci-fi direction, uh, and not focus on the slasher element, because actually the slasher element is is not the most interesting thing about it. Um, so I enjoyed it, but I didn't quite enjoy it quite as much as the first one. So yeah. Okay. That's about all I saw anyway. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you to it, and I'm going to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> Nice one. Thank you very much, Noel. Thank you very much, Noel. All right, take care, folks. Bye. Cheers, bud. So, Mark, what have you been watching? Uh, only got a couple this week. Uh, had a busy, busy, a busy old week. We're doing some renovations and stuff in the living room and bits like that. So I've not got around to watching as much. Uh, finally got around to watching Assassin's Creed. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really boring. Yeah, it is. Really boring. Holy shit, it's only, it's only 115 minutes long. I generally thought it was about two and a half hours long. It's really boring. Mm. Uh, it, I, I was that bored that I watched it 
um, literally, um, I watched it a week ago today because we were recording last week and Becky downloaded the Bioshock games literally as we finished and I watched it that night. Uh, I literally, like I said on the podcast, I got sent upstairs uh, to watch it while she played Bioshock. Uh, and that thing that I chose to watch was Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's really boring. I can't actually, I can remember very, very little about it uh, other than that he jumps off stuff and rides horses. And it's, I found it as boring as I found the game, to be honest. Yeah, fair. That's fair. Um, it, it is weird the fact that, that that movie could have made a shitload of money and done really well. But what they did was they tried to make it in trying to make it more interesting and more serious and art house by going for that type of director, what they ended up doing was cursing the whole fucking thing because it wasn't anywhere near entertaining enough as if they'd given it to fucking, I don't know, Joe Johnson or something like that. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, we, it, it, it is, it would have been, would it, it'd have been a better and more interesting movie if they'd have, just not taking it as serious. Um, a movie that definitely doesn't take itself serious uh, is 30 Minutes or Less um, mm. that I, I also uh, watched this week. Um, another one that is a banger of 83 minutes literally gets the fuck in and gets the fuck out of this movie. Yeah, you can't complain with that, can you? No, you, you can't. And it, it's it, it, actually, it's the perfect length for it. And it, uh, I, I really enjoy 30 Minutes or Less because... The simple fact is, it's got a lot of Danny McBride in it, and it's nice seeing a lot of Danny McBride in things, and he's doing his McBridey thing in this. Uh, but also, you get a few kind of nods. And what I've noticed actually in watching this and Tropic Thunder last week is you get a few nods where uh, Danny McBride's characters are referencing like old style like horror films and things like that. Which then, when he, you know, he wrote Halloween and he was in Alien, uh, the Alien Covenant, was it? Yeah. 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 You start to realise, oh, all right. So yeah, that all right. That there's a lot of fucking connecting tissue here that, that kind of makes sense. Um, but Thirty Minutes or Less remains a a, a a very very entertaining movie, to be honest. Uh, and it, it's made me go right. I rewatched Gang Squad recently. Um, and enjoyed that more on my rewatch. Um, and I know Rumor Flash has got the, the Zombieland, um, second Zombieland movie comes out, I think, later on this year, doesn't it? Yeah, October. October, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I also I also quite enjoyed Venom, so, you know, fuck it. And I, I, I dig that guy's vibe of his movies, but this is a, it's a very amusing kind of, throwaway comedy that, that actually has some good laughs in it. Ah, good for you, man. Fair play. Uh, and my final one, um, a movie that I think I have seen more times than if you cumulatively took everybody else in the world that's seen it and added them together. <laughs> um, I think I've seen this film more times. Um, a good old-fashioned orgy. Yeah, you fucking love that film, eh? I do really like that movie. <laughs> Mm. And the thing is, I was watching it thinking, watch it going, going. Every time I turn off, I think, right, is this the time where I watch it and go, yeah, all right, fair enough, yeah, I, I, I'm the idiot. But I genuinely, every time I watch it, I come away going, no, this is a genuinely fucking, 
this is a great like late 80s late night comedy made in 2011 Mm. if this this movie was made between 1987 and 1981 there'd be an arrow release of it by now yeah and people would be talking about it as oh what a great fun movie um and the thing is, it is a great, fun movie. It's It doesn't drag itself down. People who don't know, because not a lot of people know this movie. Um, it's uh, directed by Alexander Gregory and Peter Hayek. Um, stars, it's a fucking hell of a cast as well. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, Leslie Bibley, Belle, uh, Michelle Vaugh, Nick Kroll, Tyler Bean, uh, Alexander Seyfried, Lindy Sloan. Martin Starr, Will Fort, and Lucy Pudge. Oh, and David uh, Kovechner are in it as well. Hmm. Oh, Lynn Shea uh, plays a real estate who also is a member of an undersound sex club where she pegs people. So, yeah. Gotta love Lynn Shea. <laughs> she will. She, Do she love will Lynn Shea. Fucking roles. Um, so, this circus, um plays Eric, who's your standard. Um, middle-aged guy who is still adolescent is what you'd say he still likes to party and treat himself like he's not like quite a frat boy but he he, he very much has his job and then he has his dad's summer house that he goes to um in the hamptons on a weekend and parties with his friends his then dad tells him he's going to sell the house because he's hardly ever there uh and so he plans with all of his closest friends that he has from uh from high school who still hang out there a big bash for the uh, Labor Day weekend. The bank is going to go out. Rather than a big party for everybody, they're going to throw an orgy. Um, and then all the different trials and things that come up with with, with that come up uh, and hilarity ensues. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really, really do enjoy this movie. And I bought it on iTunes for one ninety nine, and I think I've watched it about four times since I bought it on iTunes. One ninety nine. I bought it for one ninety nine. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a good couple of years ago. I'm not sure how much it is now, but I, I guarantee it will be anything more than like two or three ninety nine. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time again with a good old fashioned object. Uh, so, what have you what have you been watching? Oh, fair play. Um, so I'll I'll lead with uh, yesterday. So oh, yes. yeah, managed to uh, managed to go catch this at the weekend. So this is the uh, Danny Boyle directed. Uh, kind of romantic comedy drama that uses the music of the Beatles. Uh, it's it's fair to say it's not a Beatles biopic in the fucking slightest, just because the Beatles aren't in it, really. Um, so, I've actually only got two other things, because we talked about quite a bit this week. But, uh, yeah, so basically, story is, uh, Himesh Patel, uh, who was Tamor on uh, EastEnders, um, plays um, Jack, a... Uh, kind of budding musician who kind of decides to jack it all in funnily enough um because he's not really getting anywhere with his self-penned music his manager slash love interest uh is played by lily james um jack 
gets into a uh, bus accident. He's on a bike, runs into a bus just when the world's power goes out for 12 seconds. And when he comes to and whatnot, he soon realizes that nobody knows who the Beatles are. And he decides to basically take their music and get a career out of it. So it's an odd duck of a film is yesterday. Um, it's very much written by Richard Curtis in so much that it manages to do conventional rom-com type stuff, but also manages to gut punch you in moments. Um, do you mind if I do spoilers for yesterday? No, I've got no, no. Right. So I'm going to say right now, spoilers for yesterday. And if you have any interest in seeing yesterday, I would advise not listening to the next minute or so. I, I, what I was saying though is, 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 I actually do intend to see it, but I just do not mind about spoilers for it. So I'm not an anti-yesterday. Person. Really, really. Honestly, I don't care. No, okay. Don't so late on in the film, there is a sequence where Jack is. Uh, essentially, it turns out that there are a couple other people in the world who remember the Beatles, and they're kind of an ominous figure through the course of the film. But it actually turns out that they just want to thank him because they don't have songwriting song singing talent uh, but they're just glad that other people are going to know the music of the beatles which is a really nice touch but then jack thinks is this right that i'm the person to do this and so he's given the address of john lennon and he meets john lennon and he's still alive and he's played by robert carlyle and all right. <laughs> it's this scene where John Lennon is really happy. And, you know, obviously he's never heard of the Beatles. It just, whatever, for, for whatever reason, it never happened. He's happy and they talk about his life and he's in his late 70s and he's lived a life. He had a woman that he loved. He's... He, he's sailed around the world and he is content and it's just this lovely fantasy element which is it kind kind of stands out like a sore thumb and the, the it's kind of symptomatic of the film because there are things that stand out like a sore thumb in this film like the editing just doesn't quite make sense it doesn't quite feel like it's finished even um towards the end there's a love interest rival it's fucking fascinating there's they're backstage at a gig and you've got jack you've got lily james you've got love interest rival and this random woman who's really prominently in the shot and it kind of focuses on her a little bit and then at the end of the film it's like right love interest rival got with her and it from the shot placement it looks like she's important and but it feels like this connective tissue is missing it's like this woman has gone from random person backstage at a gig who's just weirdly prominently placed to oh the love interest rivals all right because he hooked up with her it's very odd um, yeah. <laughs> but 
I've said this on the WhatsApp. Lily James is incredible. Like, just as a presence, that woman is something else. Um, I wish she had more to do in this film. But I, I read that as a bit of a criticism that she, beyond the bits that she... Because she sings in it, doesn't she? It's a tiny bit. Because uh, she's on the soundtrack quite a bit, I think, isn't she? Oh, no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. The soundtrack advert that was on before... There wasn't a trailer for yesterday, but there was a trailer for the soundtrack for yesterday before Spider-Man. And it made out that she was on the soundtrack a lot. No, no, no. She does kind of like backing vocals a couple yeah, of times. It, it, yeah, it, it's literally... It, it, it's almost like she's featured in it as much as he no, is. No, which is weird considering, you know, Mamma Mia, here we go again, the girl can sing. Um, yeah. So... The thing is, I'm a little bit worried that my my literally how much I like Lily James is influencing me. Um, I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah, I yeah, like it just yeah, she's a woman and a half. Um, but her kind of longing for Jack through the whole film and her heartbreak is very, very, very well done. Um, Himesh Patel is really good. He's charming. He kind of knows that he's not the be-all and end-all, like the, the, the fucking... The, the, the trials that he goes through are well done. Danny Boyle's direction, there's some really interesting shit in here where he's trying to remember the lyrics to Beatles songs because he doesn't just automatically know all the lyrics... But because he doesn't have any frame of reference anywhere, he's trying to remember them. And the way that it's sort of like it, that the, the the thinking of the lyrics to Eleanor Rigby is this really interesting thing where he's thinking about it and it's kind of playing with images in his head. So I don't know. It's odd. It doesn't feel as polished a film as you would expect a film which licenses the music of the Beatles to do. And I will also yeah. say that as well, the marketing was annoying because the marketing leads looks like it's leading the film down some avenues. Have you seen the trailer where at the end it there's a bit with James Corden? No. Okay. So there, there, there's a, there's a bit where it's uh, he's on the Late Show with James Corden and James Corden's like, well, it's interesting that you say you wrote all the music because there are two guys who claim that they wrote the music and they were in a band called the Beatles. Why don't we, why don't we bring them out? And in the, in the trailer, there's this shot of like two men from behind them walking out from the crowd in the film. That's a dream sequence. He just wakes up. Uh. <laughs> and then there's another bit where again, he's on the late show and he's singing a song to a woman and then it cuts to a shot of Lily, of Lily James looking jealous. And it's like, oh, right, okay, so you know, he's going to get all Hollywood and start dating a Hollywood star or something. No, that's 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 not in there at all. It, and it, it all just feels a bit ramshackle. And the way the last act plays out does almost feel like they were slightly making it up as they went along. But I'm, I'm sure they weren't. It's a, it's odd. It's really odd. But 
it's very charming. The John Lennon bit quietly destroyed me because I wasn't expecting it. And it just, I know I've said it here, but it just, it would be interesting to see what people think of it, knowing it. And also I did warn that I was going to spoil it. Um, and Lily James is kind of perfection. So she is delightful. Yeah. I really liked yesterday, but Good. fuck me, there are problems with it. Uh, your liking of it has made me want to see it more. Yeah, I mean, I would. I, I think it would be a perfectly good at-home watch. Um, and, I mean, I don't know. It It's not a perfect film, don't get me wrong. It won't be in my top ten at the end of the year. But... I think I will re-watch it more than a lot of films that will be in my top ten of the year. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, one more for me. Uh, Criterion Channel Watch. Um, managed to VPN it and get the Apple TV app sorted and whatnot. So I watched Don Siegel's The Lineup. Um, have you seen this? I think I have. Yeah. It's. It's interesting because it like it comes up at the start saying Eli Wallach the lineup, and then yeah. for like the first half hour Eli Wallach's not in it, and it's these dete- like two police officers like basically on the trail of like some drug smugglers, and it's like okay when's Eli Wallach turning up, and then he's basically in every scene for the last hour, and he's this drug smuggler guy who's in town with a job to do where he's got to get, like, pick up all these shipments, and the police officers are kind of after him, but it always feels like like they're slightly behind him. And Eli Wallach is, like, this just, this kind of, like, psychopath in training, but he's not quite there, so there's, like, frailty to him. Really interesting, fun, short, and also is quite a loving tribute to the average, like, officer plod of san francisco i i really liked it um i don't think it's on criterion channel anymore i think it expired end of june but yeah i i, I really enjoyed it and don siegel he was he was a class act yeah and that's me so what twitter questions we got bud uh well i'll just pull them up give me two seconds so uh, our question uh for the guys uh, was if you is to pick your ideal superhero film which hero who stars and who directs um rick kid uh, i don't see another dread carl urban in it perhaps dennis deal new direct his vision of mega city uh one could be awesome yeah actually it would be fucking pretty cool actually yeah plus having dennis deal you do do that i think it'd be like i, I think it would be like on the gritty side of something like Prisoners rather than the futuristic side of something like um, Blade Runner. Hmm. Uh, Brad says Conan is directing a 1920s Art Deco set Superman uh, diary of whoever the heck they choose. So Steve Buscemi. Uh, Malin181 at Malin1811. Uh, not a response you got for but very glad you've given this one here I realise that he's more of a super villain but I'd love to see Hollywood give uh, Galactus another go 
I've long thought that Marco Utsumura would be perfect role for him as far as who should direct. Wonder Woman is my favourite comic book film in the last 10 years, so Patty Jenkins, fair enough. Uh, and Martin Presantian, uh, Martin Pye are on Twitter, early Batman, but gender swap, so Millie Bobby Brown gets to be Bruce Wayne. That's a fucking shout, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a swing. Uh, and we've got just one question partially because I forgot to ask for questions um, but I, but uh, Ricky did just ask the question based from this question uh, which is question for the bastards this week a combination of which film genres slash subgenres would be catnip to you for me it's dystopian cyberpunk neo-noir hmm uh, hmm. well, I, I'm going to go for mine um Erotic neo noir thriller, bang, throwing money at it. A what neo noir? Erotic neo noir thriller. Hang on, it's a comic book movie. No, it's just a comic book movie. Oh, because I was going to say Banana Man, directed by Dexter Fletcher, but I would watch the fuck out of that. Isn't there a Banana Man movie coming soon? Really. I'm fucking sure there is. No, it's just any type of movie, any subgenre, any any two sort of genre or subgenres smashed together, essentially. I yeah, I don't know. Banana Man musical biopic directed by Dexter Fletcher. I'm sure there's a Banana Man movie fucking coming. It isn't listed, but I'm sure I saw a thing saying a Banana Man movie was on its way. Uh, I would watch the shit on Banana Man movie. It had the greatest, one of the greatest opening credit sequence to any cartoon of all time. Yes, it did. Yeah, uh, that and the raccoons. Oh god, the raccoons! Just because it was so long. <laughs> it was one. It? It, it was so catchy as fuck. Gummy that... bears are a great one as well. Mm. <laughs> Fucking hell, that is so mental. The gummy bears, which were literally a sweet, had a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm reading about Banana Man. Um, March 2014, it was announced uh, DC Thompson in conjunction with Elstree Studio Productions would make the film a release date in 2015. <laughs> January 2016, the musicals page on Facebook, the Banana Man musicals page on Facebook posted the movie adaptation is now in development. Um, on 8th of June 2016, the now newly formed Beano Studios issued a press release. Um and yeah, by June 2017, the official site had been removed. Ah, balls! <laughs> we need to make the Banana Man movie happen. Fucking but, Banana yeah, Man. Yeah, that was a, that, that would happen a fucking weird tangent. But yeah, man, well, yeah, a right neo noir thriller. <laughs> that that would be catnip to me. Nice, very good. Uh, yeah, that was that was the only question we had this week. Because Mark forgot to ask for them. Okay, so that'll do. It's been a long one anyway, so let's uh, let's let's draw the curtain. So uh, coming up on next week's show, I, be, I believe it's going to be Midsummer. Oh yes. All two and a half hours of it. All two and a fucking half hours. <laughs> like, you have fucking daylight. <laughs> I'm intrigued by that fucking film, but by Christ, could it be less than two hours? Yeah. Uh, but I've yeah, heard, the, uh, uh, the only word I've heard is that it's very funny. I, I've heard surprisingly funny, and if Astor's actually fucking 
staring into that that then great maybe i do need to watch hereditary and reconsider it as the comedy of 2018 i don't know i i i, I still do consider hereditary as a comedy uh when people tell me it, it's that it's categorically not i'll go eh, maybe give it a rewatch yeah. <laughs> i'll a bit of comedy because i find people who, who who don't see it as a comedy that's fine but I had literally somebody shouting in my face once that it wasn't a comedy. And I was there going, every time you do that, it makes me, it more and more, it entrenches it as a comedy it, in my brain. Yeah, it makes me think it's funnier. Yeah, that's fair. Um, cool. So, uh, I'm Ian Loring. He's Mark Foster. This is Film Bastards. Becky will be back next week. At Film Bastards, at Dude Foz, at, oh, actually, I'm taking a Twitter break. At IJ Loring on Instagram, filmbastards at gmail.com. We out. Bye bye. Bye bye.